What's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of the Coopcast. I appreciate everybody tuning in. Hope your days are going well. Hope this episode finds you out on a run. If your favorite trails haven't been closed off yet, hope everybody's staying safe and washing your hands during this incredibly unprecedented time that we are faced with right now. I can guarantee you that if you're listening to this episode, your race calendar has been completely upended. A lot of races are getting canceled. Some of them are getting postponed until uh, the latter part of the year. And other ones are still stuck in this area of limbo. Is it going to happen? Is it going to not? And so in order to provide some advice for everybody listening out there, I got together with three of the best trail runners in the business. I spoke with Dylan Bowman, who had a fantastic opening uh, to the year at the Trans Grand Canaria race, which I happened to uh, also be attending. And now he is stuck in limbo, waiting for Hard Rock to uh, make a decision on whether they're going to run that race or not. <clears throat> I got together with Courtney DeWalter, who's kind of the same position uh, with Hard Rock and with UTMB. And I also got together with Casey Licktide, uh, who was obviously in the Western States 100 this year, and that race has been canceled. And I discussed with them how they are approaching this whole aspect of uncertainty within their race calendars. And they each has some very unique perspectives that I hope that each of you get something out of in terms of how to manage your own calendar and how to manage your own training. And also, more importantly, how to manage your attitude during these incredibly uncertain times. As has been the case with the last couple of podcasts that I've done, I'm going to shamelessly plug some small businesses that are some way, shape, or form related to the trail and ultra running community. Uh, there's no doubt about it. The economic uh, uh, ramifications of this pandemic are going to be widespread, and it's going to be something that nobody in our lifetime has ever seen. So if you do have the means please go and support your local small businesses. There have been a number of uh, number of athletes that are doing uh, some incredible things out there, including another one of my athletes, Corey Woltering, who is running every single street in his hometown to raise uh, money for the small businesses out in Ottawa, Illinois. So you guys can go ahead and Google that and check that out. But expect ads, expect a lot of them, expect them to be very shameless. And I appreciate anybody's support who uh, goes out and supports those uh, small businesses. I would be remiss to mention before we get into the meat of this podcast that what we're talking about here with everybody having to shift their race calendars around, really, you guys, this is, these are small potatoes. Yes, Running trail and ultra running and racing and being together with the community that we love, it is meaningful and impactful to all of us. My year revolves around the races. It's impacted me greatly. But at the end of the day, there are bigger fish to fry right now than being worried about what to do with this race or that race or this event or that that event. So we all love them. We should absolutely do things to help us become healthier and hopefully a little bit more fit for once these races do start to actually take place, maybe later in the year, maybe it's 2021. But keep in mind that throughout all of this, 
we have to be strong, we have to be resilient, and we also have to be very flexible with how we are approaching our race calendars. So keep that in mind as you're listening to these three fine athletes, and I hope you guys get a lot out of this next episode. So here we go. Without any further ado, first up is Dylan Bowman. Alrighty, up first, we have none other than an athlete that I've worked with for several years, Dylan Bowman. He had a tremendous 2018 and a really crappy 2019, and this year, 2020, was supposed to be his year of redemption. And so he takes us through what that really meant for him, what that means to be on the comeback trail and have it to really be cut short and also have this air of ambiguity around it as this COVID-19 fog is around us all. Takes us through how he's approaching training for the Hard Rock 100. Uh, Just to put a quick timestamp on this, we recorded this on March 27th and unbeknownst to us at the time, quite literally, the Western States 100 sent out the communications to all the athletes that their 2020 edition of that race would be canceled. And very foolishly, Dylan and I were prognosticating about what would happen during that particular event, but I'm going to leave it in there as a cautious reminder for everybody to stop trying to predict these things. And that is inclusive of both Dylan and myself. As always, we have a shameless plug before this section of the podcast, and I would have been remiss not to let Dylan plug his own wife's small business because I want to give him all the brownie points he can get. That's the type of human I am. Dylan, you're welcome. Let's talk a little bit about Blue Willow. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Blue Willow. Blue Willow was started by none other than our next guest's wife, Harmony Bowman. Dylan, tell us a little bit about Blue Willow. Well, thank you, Jason Coop. Uh, That's very generous of you. Yes, Blue Willow was started by my lovely wife, my better half, Harmony Bowman. Um, It's a one-woman operation. Harmony is a very multi-talented person. Uh, Her professional background was in wine and spirits, and she transferred all the skills that she had in brand marketing there to start her own CBD kind of beauty skincare company called Blue Willow. You can find it at thisisbluewillow.com. She's got a few products that you can buy for yourself or for your friends and family. Uh, she's got sort of like a, a body balm, which I always rub on my sore muscles after long days of training. Uh, and a body oil that can be used for similar application. And then also my favorite, my personal favorite, the CBD infused bath salts. So I've been spending a lot of my unproductive time during the coronavirus hanging out in warm CBD baths. And I would encourage you to do the same. So shout out to my wonderful wife, Harmony Bowman. Check out thisisbluewillow.com. And uh, we appreciate your business and your support. Now, I hope 
any points that you had getting you into the doghouse have just been erased by that plug. That was so, that was so beautiful. Such a shameless plug. In all seriousness, you guys go and uh, show Harmony some love at what's the website again, Dylan? This is bluewillow.com. Show them some love, buy their shit, give Harm some help. We love her very much. <laughs> because you and I had the same experience where we both went over to Europe, to Spain, yep. of all places. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you, you left earlier than I did, but even when I left, I left, I had, to look, I had to look at this the other day just to almost kind of like justify my travel because I was having traveler's remorse. And yeah. So I left March 2nd. Yeah. And um, at the time, the U.S. had like, 50 cases, maybe a couple of deaths. Like it was all pretty, you know, of course the administration was like, you know, pushing it down even further. But really when you looked at it on the surface, like nobody's pushing the panic button. And then by the time so we go, we go over to Spain, you know, all the stereotypical bro. I remember, I remember, I remember Pablo and Pau kissing their wives or significant others at the aid stations. Like I remember this yeah. very vividly now. And I thought absolutely nothing of it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. All the bro hugs at the end of the race. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we come back and like the world is totally imploded. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Like I would do anything for a bro hug right now. But yeah, no, I've had a similar experience in just having such a feeling of unprecedentedness of this in my entire life. And, and just like, this is really the first time for me, at least in my adult life, where it feels like everything has changed in an instant, right? Like when 9-11 happened, I was really young, you know, I think I was, you know, in maybe ninth grade or something like that, certainly not mature enough to understand like the global consequences of it. And now having just turned 34 this week and feeling very much like an adult, like it really does make it feel like you're living through a moment in history. And as you said, like just two weeks ago, you know, this was a a news story, but it certainly wasn't like a world changing thing. And now this is really something that's touching virtually everybody internationally in in a unique way for each individual person. And yeah, like having just been in Spain and us in particular, we spent one day in Madrid, which has now become one of like the global epicenters um, in terms of like the carnage that the coronavirus can inflict. We were there for just 24 hours as we uh, were in transit between the Canary Islands and Morocco, which we where we spent a, a few days as well. And when we were there, at least Harmony and and Debbie, my mother-in-law, walked around the city basically the entire day. Uh, Debbie's in her 70s, you know, like now just seeing what's happening over there and just counting the days since we had been there, crossing the 14-day threshold, you sort of like breathe such a sigh of relief of just like, luckily, we're all feeling healthy. We're all feeling good. But yeah, it's just incredible how quickly the the global situation has changed. Uh, we had the exact same situation on the way back because 
are uh it just happened that me casey miguel and jared we're all on the same flight pattern back to the U.S. is what happens mm-hmm. all the time with these ultra races. Yeah, yeah. All the Americans get on the same flight patterns. And all four of us got stuck in Madrid for the night because of a mechanical. Ah. So not 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 planned, just, you know, because we missed our connecting flight or whatever. And same thing. Casey Miguel and I, we ran around this, like, really cool park in Madrid. You know, kind of spent the afternoon, the evening there. You know, had dinner there. All of us went to the airport, you know, roughly around the same time the next day, flew back. And then I can't remember whether it was that night or the next night. Like I watched the presidential address. I was watching it live. Yeah. And you you now, I mean, we all now know that, you know, there was a discrepancy between how some of their travel bans were originally announced. And then when the Department of Homeland Security came back and said, no, 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 it's really, really not like that. Right, <laughs> so right. I immediately texted you and like three or four other people that I knew that were trying to get back to the U.S. I'm like, you guys get your asses back yep. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so our experience of that was, yeah, basically my phone went absolutely ape shit at four o'clock in the morning. Well, I it was in Marrakesh of all places. And so, you know, I, I just happened to like roll over in bed and see my phone ringing. And it was my sister-in-law, Harmony's sister. And of course I'm traveling with Harmony and, and Debbie. So I'm like, why, you know, why is she calling me? Miss the call, call her right back. And she's like, you know, this is what's going on. Like, you guys need to figure it out. But we had two days before, or no, the, yeah, like the day before, we were starting to get kind of a weird feeling with the development of all the news stories. And we made the decision wisely that we were going to cut our trip a couple days short and, and head home. Um, so... Basically, you know, the day before uh, the president made the announcement that they were cutting off all travel, we had changed our itinerary to come back in time. Thank goodness we had done that because otherwise it would have been a complete mess and we were able to call United before their phone lines got inundated and were able to make those changes. Um, But yeah, like waking up in the middle of the night to panic texts, not only from you, but from, you know, my family as well. And, and other people. Um, yeah, again, it was just sort of like, wow, like this is a really serious thing. And so our feeling was at the time, like, okay, well, if this gets bad, you know, we don't really want to be in Marrakesh, you know, like we should probably cut our trip a, a couple days short and, and get home, even though it seems like Marrakesh is probably the safer place to be at this point. Uh, we were really glad to get home um, when we did, because we, end, we ultimately got home. They, they were closing the borders, again, not to U.S. citizens, but they're closing the borders to international travel from Europe um, that Friday night. And we got home Friday afternoon. Um, and then it was the next day that all over the news, we saw the like six hour waits at customs and we were able to breeze through the day before, you know, nobody took our temperature. Nobody asked us where we were, nothing like that. So again, luckily we're feeling healthy. Um, but yeah, we feel very lucky, uh, not only to be healthy, but to, to have been able to get home in the way that we did under those circumstances. It's crazy what a difference 24 hours makes. Okay. So let, let's, <clears throat> let's back up a little bit. 
before we dive down the COVID-19 rabbit hole, because 2020 was supposed to be like your redemption tour. (laughs) <laughs> and um i think i think to set to, to like set the table for 2020 let's go like give a really brief recap of all of the trials and tribulations that you had to go through for 2019 in in as consolidated of a package as you can because there were a lot of them yeah yeah well so backing up just a tiny bit further to 2018 i had a really really great season um and as a result of having a good season i was feeling really good about myself i was able to you know kind of uh renegotiate all my contracts with my sponsors get new sponsors you know people want to talk to you you feel good about yourself and uh, and then sort of near the end of 2018, you know, not long before the North Face 50 was ultimately canceled due to wildfires, I sort of just kind of like fell into this hole, kind of felt a little lost. We had kind of turned our life upside down by moving back to Colorado. So sort of uplifting out of our community. And anyway, they're just feeling a little bit off balance on a personal level. And then physically, my body just kind of like started falling apart. So my first race of 2019 went out to Hong Kong, got incredibly sick. The first day I was there ultimately ruined my ability to race there. I got incredibly sick again, like six weeks later, this time with uh, sort of like a flu, like a respiratory thing rather than a stomach thing. Um, but like bedridden type sick again, uh, for like the second time in two months, which is really unusual for me to get sick in general and to get that sick twice was really unusual. And then just as I was trying to get back into training for Transvolcania, which was my goal last spring, my first day of training camp, as you know, I drove all the way out to Oregon to try and get out of the snow in Colorado. First day, first run, have a really bad ankle roll, end up fracturing my ankle, uh, which then basically, I mean, more or less put me on the shelf for the majority of the rest of the year. It took me a long time to acknowledge that myself. So trying to train through what was clearly an unhealthy ankle ended up leading to pretty bad Achilles tendonitis ultimately forced me to stop training. Then of course, because I wasn't running anymore, I got on my bike, went for a little bike ride, crashed my bike, separated my shoulder, got a concussion. And that was finally the, the the final indication to me of like, all right, bro, like you got to press pause. Like you're clearly trying to force something that's not going to happen. And, um, and yeah, so that was finally sort of like my wake up call to, to kind of address this sort of like inner feeling of unsettledness that I think was contributing to my physical health also deteriorating. And yeah, like you said, um, finally have been turning the corner and feeling good again and training well again, and was able to go race at Trans Grand Canaria, which was supposed to be the start of, uh, yeah, the revenge tour of 2020. So that brings us to now. You were psyched. So this is, this is the trajectory that I want to explore a little bit because 2019, you had it all. Like you had the personal yeah. stuff that was really difficult, right? You kind of uplifted, yeah. you kind of uprooted your life, as you mentioned. You had different types of physical ailments, things mm-hmm. that you could not control, 
getting getting sick, getting respiratory infection, and then things, then training things that you know maybe we didn't manage very well, right? Coming back from you know fractured ankle, pushing the envelope a little bit on that on too much on that front, and throughout all of that, like all of those different combinations of of tribulations that you had to go through, you were you were psyched and you were ready to go. Like I've never seen you as, 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 as fired up as you were at the beginning of this year. And it all went to plan, mm-hmm. right? I mean, first three months leading in, uh, leading into trans grand Canaria training kind of for the most part kind of went to plan. You had to, you had to move some pieces around training kind of went to plan. The race definitely went to plan. I think that's about mm-hmm. as good as you can run. Yep. And now that the world's turned over a few times, <laughs> Let's go, let's go through what was supposed to happen for 2020 and now where it sits. Yeah. Well, I think first of all, the, the experience of 2019 and the maturity that I gained from going through all those things and what I learned from it has helped me to approach this, I think in a, in a better, more mature way. But yeah, the, the whole point of this year, as you know, was to do what I called sort of like the revenge tour to get my body back to a hundred percent and then get back to where I want to be and where I know I can be as an athlete competitively. And Transgrand Canaria fit within that plan really well, because part of the idea of the revenge tour was to go back to races where I had not performed well in the past. And one of the things I'm really proud of in my career is that I've been a pretty damn consistent runner, you know, even on a bad day, I'm, I have an okay result. Like it's rare that I completely blow it. Right. And trans grand Canaria, when I went to that in 2014 was one of those races where like, I look back and it was just like, man, you screwed that one up bad. And, um, so, you know, penciling that in on the calendar as, you know, the first stop on this revenge tour, going back and redeeming a result that I was not proud of in my career, um, fit with the theme of the year. The main goal for the season and what we were sort of building everything around was hard rock. And of course, as most people will know, hard rock was supposed to be my main goal for 2019 as well, and was ultimately canceled due to the uh, very substantial snowpack that you guys saw in Colorado last year. And it was fortunate for me that hard rock was canceled last year. And that's part of the reason why, as I just mentioned, I was immoderate in my return from a broken ankle. It was because I was like, okay, I'm in at hard rock. Like this has been a dream of mine to do this race. So, you know, didn't give myself as much of an opportunity to recover as I I probably should have, but ultimately hard rocks cancellation was a good thing. Given the fact that I was so unhealthy, I I don't think I could have gotten through it anyway. And if I could have, it would have probably caused more damage done more harm than good. So anyway, that was supposed to be the main objective for this season. And in between Trans Grand Canary and Hard Rock, I was supposed to do the Volvic Volcanic 110K on the World Tour, a fairly new race. Um, and I just got the notification this morning that that has now been officially canceled. So um, that was basically as far as we had planned um this year hard rock was sort of the the main cornerstone of uh of my season and certainly something that i've been motivated to do for my entire 
career and building towards it is an important thing. I'm very lucky that if it does go off that I was able to get that 80 mile day in at Transgrand Canaria. Um, but you know, now, now everything's a question mark, including hard rock and, and certainly including what to do between now and hard rock. So, so you've had this year that was full of crap, basically you came back, you had a good race and now you've had, the race that was supposed to be after that, the Volvic race, get canceled. Yep. And Hard Rock is certainly a question mark and probably a big question mark, just given the timing of, of it all. How are you, like, how, just how are you, like, mentally processing that? Like, after the big low and then another high and now this ambiguity? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, the ambiguity I'm not viewing as a low. Um, and I think that's important, right? So it's not like I went from high or from low to high to low again. You know, I feel very lucky that I was able to take part in Trans Gran Canaria this year, like, and get a long 80 mile, 13 plus hour day in my legs just about three weeks ago, you know? So I'm still feeling pretty high on life after that. Certainly still not feeling terribly antsy to, you know, go out and train and, um, you know, get a lot of, uh, miles in my legs. You know, it's not as if I'm getting that stir crazy yet, but definitely, I guess the way I think about it more is just in the greater context of my career, right? Like I turned 34 two days ago and, you know, feeling like I'm sort of in the prime of my career, right? And having had a great season in 2018 and then feeling like 2019, I was sort of like robbed of like a year in the prime of my career at a point when I really started to feel like I'm learning how to race, learning how to train, um, you know, just getting better at everything. Um, so that's what I, I view it more as is like, well, man, if 2020 now is a, is a, is a lost cause. If it, if there's really no racing to be had this year and hard rock is canceled again, that'll be a bummer, you know, because next year I'll be 35 and I'll have two years of my prime <laughs> sort of like kind of taken from me. Um, but you know, the important thing for me is, yeah. I mean, like this is touching everybody, you know, in so many different ways. Right. And I'm so lucky to have the support of great sponsors and to also have like a day job that is not being impacted. In fact, you know, because we do sort of like air compressors and things like that, the we're sort of considered an essential business too. Hmm. So like, I'm lucky, you know, this isn't going to really impact me in the way that it's going to impact most people. Um, so having that sort of understanding and that kind of like gratitude, um, makes it easier to deal with, but certainly I'm somebody who, who doesn't function well with uncertainty. And that's something we've talked about a lot and something that, uh, has been really good with our move to Portland is just having more certainty as to what direction my life is going and, and so that's something that I have to have to deal with every day is like just being okay with not knowing what the next two weeks, let alone the next year and a half might look like. Well, and from a training perspective, like you're at the inflection point right now, because like literally right now we're, we're recording this on March 27th. 
you've gotten over trans grand canaria you're rested you're fired up like you're over your 14 day quarantine you've still got some sort of stay at home orders but you've got this ambiguous re- but really big event in the july time frame that you need to start buckling down and training for and I almost view this, I almost view the situation that you're in right now where it has a big question mark as somebody who's on the wait list and is on uh, like the edge of getting in or yeah. not. It's like, should I really double down on my train? Should I really train that hard with the yeah. slight chance of getting in? Or should I just kind of like, you know, laissez-faire, meander through uh, meander through the next part of the training process. So, it, so here, here it is. We're going to make this decision pretty soon, right? In the next yeah. couple, next week or so, like kind of how to, how to hedge the trading. Like where, like where yeah. are you at with that? I mean, I, uh, I'm going to train as if hard rock's going to happen. Right. So, you know, uh, of course, like I enjoy the process of training as much as I enjoy, you know, the, training towards a goal, you know, and the, if hard rock is ultimately canceled, yeah, it'll change the way I approach my, my daily running, but until they tell me it's going to be canceled, I'm going to train as if it's, as if it's happening. And I like the analogy with the wait list because that's kind of how you have to approach it. If you are, you know, one or two on the wait list and you're getting towards the last few days of hard rock, you know, you, you, at that point, you've already trained as if you're going to run train for, or you, that you're going to be racing. But that I think is the same approach that I'm going to have to take here as well. And, you know, what you and I'll have to navigate then is knowing me as a person and my personality and how I race best usually is to then have some sort of like stepping stone goal in between trans grand canaria and hard rock and now that volvic has been canceled trying to figure out a way in which i could achieve that uh in a way that would set me up to have a good run at uh at hard rock in the case that it does happen so you know that's sort of the way that you know, I imagine that we will approach it. And, you know, my plan had been to, after Volvic, after returning back home to basically throw everything in the truck, you know, dogs in harmony, saddle up. We're going out to Colorado for six weeks before the race. And we had a, uh, an Airbnb all set up in Aspen, a place that we both love and have, deep roots in. And, um, you know, now the guy who was going to be renting us his place, who I also know personally is potentially going to be, instead of having an Airbnb, you know, looking for a long-term renter in his place, because mm. now the, the tourist situation in, in Aspen is totally flipped on its head as well. So now we're not sure, you know, where, um, we would be staying. And as you know, you know, when I train for a big goal, I like to train very specifically for that goal. And so a big part of our preparation for hard rock was going to be that last kind of six week block acclimatizing to altitude, marching up and down big mountains, uh, and getting specifically trained for the hard rock 100 course. So, you know, that's, um, 
I guess the, the long answer to your question of like, yeah, I intend to still train for hard rock, you know, starting, you know, basically now. And, um, until they tell me it's not going to happen, I'm going to assume that it is and, uh, just cross my fingers. Yeah. And, but you still have got this question mark of, and I think a lot of other athletes that have either races that are in the like August, September timeframe or races that that are maybe a little more likely to happen or a race like hard rock is they want a stepping stone. They want, you know, a 50 miler to do a hundred miler, 50 K to do a hundred K or something like that. And they're kind of going to be SOL unless they completely cobble it together. DIY style, you know, FKT attempt, or they do something kind of in their backyard and things like that. And I honestly think that, for a lot of athletes, that can be a learning experience because you can do it by yeah. yourself. It, you don't have to have a start and finish line. You can, you have the resources and now everybody's going to be forced to do this. You have the resources to put together something like that, a DIY camp or a DIY race or whatever to have this like intermediate goal that, can help get you ready for whatever the main goal is. Right. But I'll be curious to see like how that impacts performance. So hypothetically, like if Western States happens and most of the top athletes in the field have had basically no races under their belt and they have to jump into a hundred miler, a competitive hundred miler, like how's that going to impact the finishing times and the rate of attrition, right? So, you know, does somebody like Tim Tollefson, who also has been fortunate like myself to be able to get a couple efforts in this year, is he at a significant advantage over, you know, somebody like Jared Hazen or Matt Daniels or any of the other uh, contenders in the field to, you know, perform better or does it also result in like more attrition in the field? Like do more of the top men and women or more of the general field ultimately drop out of the race because they didn't have that sort of like race environment to, to get ready for it. Cause I see what you're saying, Mm -hmm. but also Coop, like you and I both know, like when I was training for the North face 50, a couple years ago, and I was doing those cross country races in the Bay area, I was getting more out of those cross country races than I would out of any training session that I would have been doing on my own. And I think there is certainly like a performance benefit out of getting that race experience yeah. in, even though, as you're saying, yeah, you, you do have to DIY it now. Like you do have to play the cards you're dealt, mm-hmm. but I, I wonder what that will eventually look like, you know, um, in terms of the, the ultimate goal, because certainly it would be, a, it would be so sad if Western States didn't go off, mm-hmm. but it, it would also be really strange to see so many sort of guys who guys and girls who, who hadn't, um, you know, really tested themselves that season. Yeah. Well, on the prognostication side of it, I think two, I think two things are going to happen. One is you will absolutely see the fact that athletes of all abilities, not just at the elite side of all abilities, the fact that they can't get in their normal routine of I'm going to do race B and then I'm going to do race A, whatever that looks like that they've been doing for years, that will absolutely get to people hundred percent. Because they, because especially for the experienced athletes, that's all they've known. You know, I'm going to talk to Casey 
uh, about this very same thing. Her pattern for Western states, all seven years that she's done it, six years, six years that she's done it has been, I'm going to go do the training camp and then I'm going to go do the race. And that's, they they haven't officially canceled the training camp, but it's highly unlikely that they're going to, that they're going to hold that. And so this pattern that she's in, she's just going to have to, and she'll figure it out, but they're going to be athletes that for whatever reason that gets to them. I think, I think the second thing, and I don't know how much of a limb this is going out on, but I can, I could, I could see where somebody could certainly take the opposite, uh, the opposite approach. I think that the, because everybody's preparation is going to be less than ideal for a variety of different reasons, the races, the stay at home ordinances, they've got to like, you know, people with kids that, that, that their kids are home. Like Liz, my, my, uh, uh, my wife who teaches high school English, she's teaching at home. All their students are at home. The parents have to deal with that. Like everybody's training is going to getting interrupted to various degrees. I actually think that for all, for everybody who's not trying to win the race, they're all going to hedge during the race of finish at all costs. They're going to yeah. cram the golden hour as much as they can. And we could study this before and after, right? However many yeah. finishers are in the golden hour, there might be like double <laughs> this year because everybody is just like, okay, I'm just going to finish. I'm not, I yeah. don't care about the big buckle. I don't care about 27 hours. I'm just going to finish. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be very interesting. And yeah, I I could see it go in both directions too. Like what if everybody in kind of at the elite end of the field too, is like just super motivated, really well-trained, long training blocks and very fresh. And, you know, we see an incredible, an incredible race or, you know, is everybody uh, a little bit under-trained and, you know, still racing aggressively and maybe we see a lot of attrition on the elite end of the field. So yeah, it's unpredictable just as life is right now. But, um, yeah, it'll, this is going to be a year that I think we all look back on and remember (laughs) not only societally, culturally, but within our little sport as well. Yeah. Okay. Let's pivot. I want to get your take on one thing that's not training related. You and you alluded to this earlier. You put yourself in a pretty good position with your sponsors in in 2018, uh, just because you had really great races. How do you think that that landscape is going to change for 2020? Because a lot of athletes are going to come to their end of their contracts at the end of this year, and they don't have they have very little work product to show for mm-hmm. it on the racing side. Yeah. They'll still have the social side and what other obligations that the sponsors require of them, but on the racing side, and it's not any, it's not their fault, but they have, they, they will have very little, if any work product to show for it. Mm-hmm. This is a difficult question. I think it's something that is underappreciated. You know, when people look at, you know, the runners who do this quote unquote professionally, which is very few people to be fair, uh, that really like make it a focal point of their life. Like it looks like a really awesome way to make a living. And it certainly is. And it, you know, I'm sure those people who are lucky enough to do it wouldn't trade it for the world, but it is like still making a living. Right. And it's not an easy way it's still a job, right? And it comes with its own stresses. And as you said, one of those stresses is like, well, you know, my, my sponsors are expecting me to perform. I can't perform, you know, 
a reasonable person would understand this is outside of my control, but my sponsor also needs to sell whatever product it is. And this is also having a, this coronavirus is also having an impact on their business. And how am I going to be, how am I going to fit into their, uh, their business plan once this is, this is over. So it's not only like, did I fulfill my sort of like performance and social media requirements is it's more of like, is the health of this company such that they're going to have the ability to, you know, sign and, and pay athletes and how is that going to impact the greater ecosystem of the sport? And I'm very lucky just speaking specifically about myself that, I have long-term relationships uh, with the two major sponsors that I have, the North Face and Red Bull. And I have very close relationships with the people at the company. I had a a really fun, uh, interactive conference call with many of the athletes on the North Face team yesterday, including the sort of global head of sports marketing, Jamie Starr, who went out of his way, credit to him, to say to all of us, hey, guys, just so you know, our company is healthy. We're doing well. We were looking for ways to help the worldwide community. And I want you all to know that your jobs are not in jeopardy. So for any other sports marketing people who are listening and um, any other athletes out there, listen for whoever you interact with at the company, how you know they're talking about this. And um, for people who work in sports marketing, um, I would encourage you to be open and honest with your athletes and let them know, like, if this might impact them, give them plenty of notice. And uh, if it's not going to impact them, tell them because they will be stressed about it. And um, yeah, like, again, it goes back to the point of just like, everything is now in question. You know, it went two months ago from being like the most powerful economy and 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 stock market that we've ever seen to now every single thing is in question every business is in question except for maybe amazon but um yeah and it trickles down it trickles down to everybody and uh so for me you know i'm lucky my situation is is solid um and the people that i work with uh, I have close personal relationships with and uh, have been able to talk about it with them. And uh, I would encourage other athletes to to reach out to those people and for the people in the companies to be open with their athletes. Super sage advice for the sports marketing people out there. I think anybody who's listening is like, yes, I would hope my sponsors tell me the exact same thing. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of athletes, and I, I work with a lot of elite athletes, and I know a lot of elite athletes, they all have that exact same emotion that you just expressed. Like all of this, I'm, wor- I'm worried about myself. I'm worried about the company is something, are they just going to all of a sudden, you know, fire everybody all at once because yeah. of how the global economy is doing. They all have those same trepidations. And if you broaden it out to the broader ecosystem of not only trail, trail and ultra running, but just like running as a whole, all of the sponsors that fuel the races, that's a big part of their income, right? Sponsorships and mm-hmm. how they can actually run races. Those are going to get affected. And so that'll see trickle down to the athletes that are participating in the race. The races don't have the, quite the same infrastructure and on and on and on. So it's always worth mentioning that, you know, just like this virus is showing us that we're a worldwide economy uh, in a worldwide society that these impacts go far greater and far deeper than just what we are individually experiencing them. 
Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, you and I, we got brass tacks to get to offline. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going to say goodbye, good, goodbye here, at least on air. And uh, I really appreciate it, man. I really appreciate you coming on and expressing these things so that everybody can learn a little bit from it. Coopcast. That's right, man. Yeah, it's great, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, here we go. This next section is with none other than Western States and UTMB winner and Ultra Runner of the Year. Courtney DeWalter. Although I don't work with Courtney personally as an athlete, I have nothing but the utmost respect for her. I love hanging out with her at any of the races that we get to go to. And as many of you all know, she is just a breath of fresh air when in, a, in whatever room that she comes into. And I think that that is readily apparent in the conversation uh, that we are about to get into. But before we get into that, Yes, you guys realize what's going on. It is the ads. And I thought then, I thought that since I was talking to Courtney, I would plug one of the small businesses that is very near to my home here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and also is serendipitously connected to Courtney DeWalter. And that is Patsy's Candy. Yes, Patsy's Candy is a original. It is a Colorado original. They make all different types of taffy and fudge and chocolate in their candy store here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, about a half a mile from uh, my house. I ride my bike and I run by there almost every single day. And it is almost impossible for me to not go in and steal a couple of samples or take a box of chocolates home to my lovely wife. So if you have the hankering for something sweet, go ahead and check out patsyscandy.com and you can have one of their incredible confections shipped directly to your home. You can even get CBD infused chocolates. Yeah, that's right. CBD infused chocolates sent directly to you if that happens to be your kettle of fish. So check them out, patsyscandy.com. I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. Some of the finest candy in the entire world. All right. Without any further ado, here we go. Here's my conversation with Courtney DeWalter. recent application process no i was not aware that i could yeah they just had opened it up i think it closed yesterday though oh i for sure don't have the stomach nor the qualifications to uh (laughs) to to make the cut so i would not try did you (laughs) i didn't apply i would love to but um i was reading through what their qualifications were and i also did not meet those (laughs) You would think though that you would get a like they would that you would you could qualify through a special exemption, <laughs> you know. Like there's some there's some things in your palmares that I think would supersede whatever rudimentary base level qualification that existed <laughs> for the astronauts. Like, well, I don't have a PhD in astrophysics, but I won Western States and UTMB. That's got to count for something, right? <laughs> I'd say no. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, they don't, 
<laughs> counts for zero in space. <laughs> okay. Cor- Courtney, I'm glad I'm glad you're going to stay on uh, planet Earth for the time being because for now, uh, yeah. we need athletes like you to <laughs> for now. <laughs> All right. So you're so you're so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> oh shit. All right. So let, let's let's get into this a little bit before this conversation starts to go off the rails anymore. <laughs> um, I want to know. I, I want to know to start out with, like, if you can remember way back three months ago to January, when everything was normal, relatively normal for ultra runners, when everything was normal, and you're planning like your season out, which you had a pretty good outline of what that was going to look like. What did that look like? Like, what were you planning to do in 2020, not but three months ago? Yeah, my main three objectives were uh, Hard Rock UTMB and then Big's Backyard Ultra. Um, So I was pretty pumped to try the Hard Rock UTMB double, stacking two mountain races in six weeks or whatever it was. Um, And then to go back to Big's Backyard was really exciting. And, uh, who knows, you know, maybe things will be back to normal by then. Uh, so those main ones didn't start until what July is hard rock. And leading up to that was just going to be a lot of like training races, I guess, starting in April, just, uh, easing into the year this time, uh, which normally I start racing in January or February and, uh, have learned some good lessons in the past eight months that uh, pushed my season back a little bit more just so that I could be smarter about training. And I I think that's also good to go over as well. Like you ended 2019 in a little bit of a broken state. You know, you had a, you, you had a pretty good, you had a really good campaign in 2018. You had a good campaign obviously in 2019, but the end of the year, you you you're injured and you took some time off and that bled into the first part of 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 2020. Why don't we go back a little bit further and just like set the stage in terms of a time frame for when all of those, you know, injury things started to go awry for you? Uh yeah, so I injured my hip during Western States last June. Took July to kind of figure it out and see if I could still um get back on the horse, I guess, for any racing the rest of the year, managed to make it to the start line of UTMB healthy enough to race it. And then was um, troubleshooting it through um, September in order to be ready for the US or the World 24-Hour Championships in October. And uh, totally wrecked it during that race. So I ended up taking November and December basically off of running entirely so that, um, I would stop, you know, trying to fix it enough to keep racing on it and actually let everything heal up, which made January, February, then, you know, just a slow build back into normal training again. So the beginning of 2020 is, was likely going to be just a slow ramp up for you anyway, suffice it to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the intent this year is to, uh, take those nuggets of lessons learned last year and actually apply them. Shocking. <laughs> so, yeah, no, right. You learn. Hey, you're, Courtney, if you, 
if you learn from your mistakes, you're ahead of 99% of the people <laughs> out there. Because how many stories, how many stories have we seen and we heard of where people just make the same mistake over and over and over again? So if you're learning from those, freaking awesome. Great, great for you. I'm trying. Um, so yes, shocking. <laughs> yeah. That's all we can hope for. Okay. So you're you're in the state right now. And I, I think it's a I think it's an interesting proposition for an athlete that I want to peel back a little bit where your like medium term racing plans. And also to a lesser extent, your longer term racing plans have this like cloud of ambiguity around them. You don't know if hard rock's gonna happen. We're and just to timestamp this, we're recording this on April 2nd. It'll probably come out the next day, April 3rd, if I can get my act together. Um, we're recording this on April 2nd. Hard Rock, which is in the middle of July, has not announced anything. UTMB, a completely different race, right? tens of thousands of people all, all coming into a small valley across all corners of the world. And at the very end of August, early September is they haven't said anything yet. And then Big's Backyard, which is almost an equivalent of hard rock, right? Few people, they're on a kind of a contained course, but still it's like a, it's a, it's a smaller type of event that's far enough down the line where they're, you know, not saying anything anyway. So how, like, how are you thinking about each, like each one of those events right now? I think, I think I'm actually just not thinking about them. I'm uh, taking it week by week, day by day. And um, there's so many things going on and so many things not going on that I'm uh, trying to tune in to how I'm feeling mentally and physically and um, just keep turning away at the miles when they feel good and easing back when, when it's, not happening that day. So I'm not, uh, fixated on like training for a race right now. I'm mostly, um, just staying healthy and like keeping, keeping the base sturdy, hopefully. Well, and to a large extent, this like fits your normal MO, right? I mean, you're renowned for going out, you see how you feel. And if you feel great, you go a little bit longer. If you don't feel great, you go a little bit shorter. If you want to push it, you're going to push it. And you're, you're very much, a you're what I would call an intuitive runner versus a scheduled runner. And if, if anything, like, just like you said, this doesn't change things a whole heck of a lot for you outside of some of the logistical things I, I would assume. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, the main thing for me that I'll have to try and figure out with this is a lot of times training races, like help me, uh, remember to take some time off and like to build up towards a race and then, you know, start low again. And so this, I'll just have to make sure I do that on my own and not um, keep banging my head against the wall just because there's no race that's reminding me I'm tired. Yeah. I, I think if anything, that if, if anything, one consistent thing that all ultra runners and all real endurance athletes are going to experience is, is their next race back is going to be a long way away compared yeah. to what is normally the case, right? Normally, you know, maybe you race every two months, maybe you race every four months, but people are now, they're in the situation where they might not have experienced a race for a year. Yeah. And some athletes are going to cope with that better than others, just like, just like with anything else. But it's going to be a reality for a lot of people where they're going to toe the line again, especially for competitive athletes who like that routine of, 
getting ready for a race and putting the bib on and seeing the community and really dig into the well, like they like doing that every so often, that cycle is certainly going to be broken. So, I mean, how do you, you you say you're not thinking about it, but if you were to like prognosticate a little bit, like the next time you, you know, you put a bib on is going to be for hard rock, which will be how long since your, since your uh, last race. Oh man. Oh, October till July. And the October race was a flat, you know, slower paced 24 hour versus a, a mountain trail race. So yeah, I'll, it'll be fun to, um, to get back out there racing and just r- remind myself how to race. I think it's been long enough where I forgot a little bit what that feels like to, to be pushing for a really long time. Yeah. And I think some people are going to revel in that and other people, for whatever reason, because they don't have that tune up race, they're just going to get psyched. They're just going to like psych themselves out about it. Oh, I didn't have this 50 miler to build up into this 100 miler. Oh, I didn't get this training camp or whatever else it is. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'm, uh, I mean, it's easy to sit here and, and like, uh, guess what it might be like, but I think, I don't know. It'll be, I think I'm going to take it all the whole year is um, just learning and um, it's giving me a great opportunity to put into practice all these things I learned last year about staying injury free and um, including cross training and, you know, not building up to the high mileage weeks and then just holding it up there because there's no race nearby. So um, it's a perfect, it's a perfect scenario for me in that way where now I get to actually try and do these things I learned in a like really large chunk of time. Well, you have to. That's the key yeah, point yeah, right there, exactly. right? You have to put them into place. You're being forced, like literally forced to put those into place, part by circumstance of there not being any races, but also because of, I'm assuming, some of the day-to-day changes that you've had to make where you're limited to the terrain that's just most uh uh kind of locally available to you so for everybody that's listening right now colorado's under a stay-at-home ordinance which is a you know it's like quarantine light as i keep describing to a lot of my athletes uh currently that's going to exist until until april 30th so what like how has your training routine changed with the different restrictions and things like that, that we've been under here in the state of Colorado? Fortunately, not a ton. I think, um, I don't drive to trailheads often anyways, but for sure I haven't moved my car in what a month probably at this point. Um, so always running from the door, which, you know, is limiting then which trails I end up getting to. Um, and also, uh, just making sure not to, do anything crazy and get myself in a situation where I'm going to need some medical help. But otherwise it's been pretty normal around here. I um, am seeing a lot more people on the trails. Coloradans are uh, coming out in droves to enjoy the outdoor life here in the front range. So um, it's cool. It also is, I think kind of altering when I'm going out and trying to avoid like some of the peak hours when families seem to be on the trails a little bit more. Yeah. I have this weird 
I have this weird sensation. I just said earlier that I'm getting out of the prediction business, but I guess I'm getting back into it with this statement. (laughs) I have the the weird feeling that the next step is that statewide, we're going to see some of the system-wide parks either being closed or the access to them being restricted, like the parking lots getting closed down or the, there's some sort of metering that goes on at the trailheads or something like that. I don't know if you have any, any sense of that living up in Golden. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been packed. There's been photos, you know, every day now of parking lots where cars are just like spilling out into parking on the streets. Um, so I think it would be pretty cool if they closed the lots down just because I think it would make people see what's right near them that they can get to. They don't have to, you know, drive to a trailhead to experience this outdoor world. They can leave their house and be, you know, doing something just as cool, um, which I think would be fun for families to discover together. Like what's local? Yeah, we still see, though, here Garden of the Gods is still packed. Oh, I bet. It's it's getting obnoxious. Uh, the city of Manitou tried to close the incline down for a couple of days and then it got reopened. Yeah. It's weird so because that, it is, it is cool to see so many people outside and, you know, so many people out on the trails, but at the same time, it's like, no, don't, don't wreck this. <laughs> well, it, that, so I, I, speaking of don't wreck it, I think that that's, I, I think that that's likely the next step in a lot of areas where, there's, and this is just like any other rule and regulation that starts to come down is, is the people that are violating the rule and regulation, driving to the trailheads, going out in big groups, congregating and things like that. They kind of ruin it for everybody else. I think state statewide and Colorado is not unique to this. There'll be other states that enact something similar. And it's already happening in California to a certain extent where they start to, they just start to clamp down on what is acceptable behavior at these parks, either by yeah. closing them all together or closing out the parking lot or some combination of all that stuff. And that's sad because as you mentioned, you want people to enjoy the outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird balance we have to figure out. Um, I want to talk about one, I'm going to pivot a little bit. And I want to talk about one last thing specifically with an elite athlete and a lot of elite athletes are out there looking looking at the landscape right now and saying, literally, shit, I can't race. And the oh shit part of that is because they know that it's inevitably and that that their race performances are inevitably tied to maybe not the dominant thing, but tied to their sponsorship contracts. And in addition to that, the worldwide economy is going to take a hit here. And I'm wondering how how you're viewing that as an elite athlete with sponsorships in terms of what do you think the the landscape is going to be after all of this? And is that something that as an elite athlete, like you kind of look at and go, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I have no idea how this will shake out and um, in this year, but also in the, the following years, what it means for companies, what it means for athletes, what it means for contracts. Maybe um, it helps shift focus away from things like podium bonuses as a, an income source. Um, and um, maybe athletes can start building in more of just a secure relationship without a performance related to it all the time. I don't know. 
Um, I also don't know how a lot of the companies are going to fare through this. So I think for me, there's like, it's not at the front of my mind. I think there's so many things going on in the world that um, I'm going to, you know, do my best to just keep weathering this storm and then see what happens on the other side of it. Because worrying about it or predicting what might happen is impossible, I think. Yeah, I think that that is sage advice right there. <laughs> trying, trying, trying to predict, as we were just trying to predict with what's going on at the state level, trying to predict and worrying about it is like completely out of, out of your control. And if anything, you can serve as a fantastic example. Put your head down and you run and you train and you abide by the CDC guidelines. You shift things around subtly. Maybe it's the time of day that you're actually running at. But by and large, like if you're anchoring your workout and your running routine, that's a bit that, that ends up paying big dividends in the end, not only just for your, you know, physical racing and things like that, which will, will eventually happen, but also just to like help manage the situation as a whole. Yeah. And stay mentally healthy too. I think like getting out and having a little routine still and getting your blood pumping is, um, an important part of my day. And I'm sure a lot of people function the same way. Well, Courtney, as always, appreciate your time. Thank thanks you. For taking a little bit, of, yeah. Thanks for taking a little bit of time and getting on the horn with me. I think uh, people uh, will definitely appreciate it. I'd be remiss though to ask you before uh, we get off the line here: Has your candy consumption increased or decreased <laughs> or remained the same while you're locked in your house? <laughs> Once we were able to get to the store, we were having to get pretty creative with food for a while because we hadn't restocked, but. Once we got to the store, the, um, I mean, it is full on jelly bean season with all of the Easter candy. So we are fully stocked for at least a couple months of jelly beans. I, l- I like to hear that you're a seasonal candy consumer. Yeah. Just like we would think about like seasonally eating fresh fruits and vegetables. You just kind of move, you know, when Valentine's Day comes around, it's all chocolate and the little candy hearts. And then Easter comes around and it's all jelly beans. And then when the, and then when the fall and the, you know, the holiday season happen, it's all cookies and stuff like that. Oh, like the candy, you miss the candy corn season. Wow. awesome all right thanks for the little bit of levity courtney we'll let you go yeah have a good day all right our next guest is none other than casey licktig Casey and I have been working together as coach and athlete for a very long time, almost seven years now. Maybe it might actually be over seven years now. And uh, we have both, as coach and athlete, kind of seen it all. And this is something that neither one of us could have really anticipated. Uh, she's been very public about how disappointed she was uh, when Western States decided to cancel. And although it was absolutely the right decision to make, it still left a pretty big pit in her stomach, and we talk about that on this section of the podcast. But before we get into that directly, you guys know what's coming up. It, it is the ads, and this section of the podcast is brought to you by none other than Dr. Hal Rosenberg at Mount Tam Sport and Spine. You will remember Hal because he was a previous guest on the Coopcast with Casey, 
talking about how to prevent injuries. That's all he does. He helps a lot of my athletes. He's helped out Dylan, who you guys heard earlier in the podcast. He's helped out uh, another one of our coaches, Corinne Malcolm. And if you go back to a previous uh, episode of the podcast, you'll just hear how fantastic he is. And hopefully you're not injured. But if you are and you're struggling to get into your physical therapist's office right now, because let's face it, a lot of them, they're not meeting any patients. Hal has launched telehealth appointments, which are virtual appointments that are held through a secure portal where you can meet with Hal in real time on your computer, your smartphone, or your tablet and get sessed up and hopefully get rid of that nagging injury that is just plaguing you right now. Because as we know, all runners get injured at some point. It is a total bummer. He can take you through any exercise, stretching, mobilization, self-care, and other types of recommendations for dealing with any new aches and pains that you actually might have. He can also take you through a self-care routine that you can do at home. All of these things I know runners don't have a lot of access to right now. Personally, I work with a physical therapist here in Colorado Springs. They don't have a telehealth uh, option and I have had to kind of go without and just kind of figure it out by myself. So if you're one of those runners that you need a little bit of care right now, you need some sort, uh, you need somebody to take a look at you and see what's going on and hopefully prescribe some things that you can do at home. Check out Mount Tam sport and spine.com. Get a, get set up with Dr. Hal Rosenberg and let him help you out. All right. On to the next section of the podcast with the pixie ninja, Casey Lickton. I put this tweet out uh, a couple of weeks ago and it keep, like it keeps getting better and better and better. It keeps aging, you know, really well that, you know, the ultra runner of the year uh, voters oh. are, I know, right. The ultra runner of the year and performance of the year voters are going to have their, have their uh, work cut out for them. And the, the statement of the early front runners for either one of those two, for either one of those two prizes, like that statement is gonna be worth a whole heck of a lot more this year than it, than it has been in previous years. It's so crazy. Yeah. What are they going to do? I don't know. Like literally I mean, if there are no North American, I might ask Amy that the next time I have, uh, some correspondence with her, like, what are they going to do if there are, there's nothing except for January February in the first part of March to go off of. I wonder if we'll have any fall races for sure or not. I don't know. I'm, I'm out of the prediction business. You just don't do it. Yeah. And uh, inevitably I say that. And then like 10 or 15 minutes later, I'll have to make some predictions. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll, <laughs> we'll see if I can get through the, this entire, uh, this entire conversation without making a prediction. But, um, okay. So let's, let, let's frame this up a little bit. Cause you and I were both out in Spain at the early part of the year when, when you left for Spain, what did your calendar look like in terms of the races that you wanted to do for the year? Cause we had it, we had it pretty well mapped out at that point in time, we made some early adjustments in February, March timeframe. But once Transgaran Canaria rolled around, like it was pretty, it, it, it's been pretty set in stone. So let's, let's map that out first and give everybody the context for what 2020 was supposed to look like. Okay. So after 
after running Trans Grand Canaria, we, you know, take that break, kind of get recovered before heading into the big Western States training plan. So then I was going to do some road races, do the Lincoln Marathon, and then follow that with the Silver State Western States training camp, like always, leading up to Western States. And then kind of recovering a little bit, doing some high mountain races, or I guess mainly training, and then going into High Lonesome in the end of uh, July. And since then, everything but High Lonesome has been taken off the schedule. <laughs> so, so definitely Silver State and Western States, those are out. And yeah. Before we go any further, I want to I want to talk a little bit about this because I mean you're you're you have inevitably been interconnected with Western States for the last six or seven years. It's a, it's a race that that means a lot to you personally. It means a lot to a lot of people personally, but you've definitely gotten like further and further drawn in. And you you and I first started working together for your first Western States. Yes. And, and so I've been a, I've been, you know, a passenger on this Western States journey uh, with you. And you, you were kind of really public about the fact that you were super bummed when they decided to cancel the race. What what went through your mind when you initially got that notification? My heart sank. I I cried. I was so devastated because I live and breathe this race like all year it's i'm not kidding i will dream about this race and just the people the connections i've made it's literally like a family reunion to me and that, like not being able to go just hit me hard and i went into that big grief so so you had this you had this time of grief right where you're processing like this literal loss that you had what was what was next for you and then I was angry and I became angry at this stupid virus and how it's, you know, taking people's lives and just throwing it out the door. And so I got very angry and then I had to go through that acceptance of, you know, this is what's happening and, you know, things could be different, could be worse and we're going to rebuild and we're going to go back and we're going to have a 2021 Western States race that's going to be phenomenal. And I just thought from then on, you got to stay positive. You can't look at these negatives and let them drag you down farther because we're in enough negative world right now that we don't need any more. So you went through this different, like these different kind of like phases of pro phases of processing, you know, not being able to do this race. And I think the healthy outcome of that, uh, as you expressed, is, is there's there are bigger fish to fry in the world right now. Like, yeah. Racing means a lot to us. It means a lot to you personally. Western States means a lot to you personally. But then when you zoom the lens out a little bit, there are bigger things out in the world. And I think one of, one of the things that I want to get into a little bit is, is your perspective on that because you work in the healthcare system and you've seen that bigger picture play out very acutely just with how you like your day-to-day -day work life when you go into work you've got to deal with it and you see it very abruptly every single day what has that been like it's been stressful it's it's changing every day constantly um the guidelines for the cdc keeps changing and so our hospital gets more regulated and more restrictive at first when i came back to work i had to go on a 14-day quarantine so that was really struggling 
to me to figure out, okay, I, I mean, I, I had to go through that process of, I could have the virus. I could be carrying it, you know, and I do not want to, you know, put in harm's way of any of my patients or my coworkers. And so, you know, you take a step back and think, don't be selfish. And, you know, this is for an important purpose. So when I returned to work again, um, it was interesting where we had maybe, you know, visitors could come up, but at set times and we had to wash our hands um, even more than we already had. And it was just interesting. Then the next week it got even more tight where there was only one patient could, or only one uh, vault person could come up and, you know, visit. And then we had to wear masks, surgical masks all the time. And it just, it keeps getting more and more um, tight knit and surgeries have been canceled and people have been, you know, delaying that because we don't want to be exposing more people to anything in undue circumstances. Did the hospital at the time that you went back in, or even when you got back, did they even have the resources to, to, to test you for the virus? No, they just said we stay just, at home. Yep. And they would take temperature checks, everybody that comes in and out of the hospital. And if you had a temperature, they'd take you, you know, say, send you back. And yeah, it's still, we, in Omaha, we don't have a lot of testing. And so it's just first come first serve to those who actually have symptoms that are getting tested. I, I can't, I can't imagine like going into work every day and knowing that you could potentially come into contact with this virus and then unbeknownst to you be a carrier to another one of your patients. Just the, just the stress of that alone is kind of unfathomable to me. Like, you know, a lot of us are like complaining about having to like work at home and shelter in place and things like that. But, you know, you're walking into a situation where from one day to the next, you, you know, the risk assessment is who knows what it's going to be. It's scary. I'm not going to lie. It's stressful too. It's just, I don't want to be one of those, you know, carriers that I don't know, I don't have symptoms. And so I'm always thinking to myself, you know, if I'm out, if I have to go to the grocery store or anything like that, to make sure that I'm taking all precautions as possible and staying six feet away and, you know, only getting the essentials that I need at that time. I mean, we have to protect not only ourselves, but we really have to protect everyone around us. Yeah. Okay. So let's kind of pivot back to training a little bit. So you had these two big events taken off your calendar, but, and now you have a maybe event, which is high lonesome. And, and but my wife, Liz, she's running high lonesome as well. So I have a little bit of privy into this. Um, they, they've been extremely transparent and very good about communicating about what, what they're doing. Why don't you just walk everybody through like what they've communicated to you thus far? They're excellent about sending out emails and making sure that, you know, they will allow deferrals. They will allow, you know, your money back and they're going to continue to hold the race at this point until they hear otherwise. And they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that everyone's going to be safe. They're not going to hold the race. And if, you know, they're not supposed to, they're, they're very good about communication though. Yeah. And that's the right way to do it because we've seen it all over the map where some race directors are not communicating at all with their, with the people that are participating in the race. And then they make some decision right at the very end. 
And then I'll, I'll give, you know, a big fat kudos to the good folks at High Lonesome almost at every step of the way, even if it's a, Hey, we don't know what we're going to do. They're at least being in constant communication with all of the participants that, Hey, we're evaluating this. Here's the restrictions that we're under. Here's what we, you know, here's, you know, potentially what might happen next. Here are the steps that we're taking. And to be in like this kind of like maybe situation, it's, I can, I can imagine it's at least comforting to know something as opposed to not knowing anything. It, it gives you a peace of mind. Yeah. And you, you tend to have a really packed calendar. Like you, you race a lot and you utilize a lot of local races, a lot of low key races as pieces of training. And they went from, you know, being abundant. There was a plethora of them, which you used a lot of times to all of a sudden evaporating. And I'm wondering kind of how, how, like, how do you feel about like not having that, that, that previous like resource, uh, in front of you where you can tap into those races for training purposes. Thankfully for them, it's going to be more mountainous. So it's more like, I'm just going to get to Hitchcock and, you know, train on vertical as much as I can. Um, it's been hard to get at first to get motivated. And like, I still have a lack of motivation to do any type of speed work just because I don't have races to, you know, fire me up to get in shape for. So that's been one of the key things I've noticed since this has happened. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So high lonesome is still on for right now. And I would say you've been doing a pretty good job of just like put, putting your head down in training, but your training's also been impacted by your work schedule because you've had to pick up additional shifts. Yeah. Now I, I potentially work seven days a week. So it's, it's weird. Like some days I can leave a little early. Some days I have a break in the schedule. Some days it's like, I don't. So it's just been kind of hit and miss on when I get out to a run. Well, like I said, seeing your training and I'm sure the people that follow you on Strava, they're going to be able to appreciate like the consistency that you do, that you are actually able, that you are actually able to train. You go and run a lot and you lean on, you know, the training, the training partners that you, uh, that you have there, but not having this normal weekend warrior type of schedule to lean on where five days during the week, you can do an hour and a half or two hours or something like that. And the weekends are generally unlimited. Like that's certainly going to be a, a, a workaround point for the future. That's definitely true. Yeah. Particularly for as the, if, if high lonesome happens or any other long race happens, trying to get in those big, long runs, those big miles and things like that, it's definitely going to put a crimp in your style. Yeah, it, it will. It, but you know, flexibility is part of our, you know, what we train for. Um, we have to be flexible and do things that we may not want to do. Uh, let's try to leave this off with one, uh, one kind of poignant remark. And then what, then you and I will have to get down to brass tacks on the phone afterwards, um, <laughs> yes. discuss a little bit of the detail, but I know, I know your, your grandmother is a big part of your life and not being able to see her on a regular basis, I can imagine can be trying, but you have been in communication, uh, with her. So how's your grandma doing? She is stir crazy. <laughs> she is the one looking out the window wanting to get out and like, I want to go do this. I want to go do that. 
I've had to call her and kind of talk her out of all these things because she has to stay safe. And if I can protect her in any way possible, I will do that. She's um, actually been getting out and doing yard work and walking down the road. We live like in a really small town, so there's absolutely nobody on the street. But she's trying to do what she can to stay sane, too, in this process. And how compliant has she been with the stay-at-home orders that Casey has delivered to her? (laughs) She's done well. She has rode in the car to, like, one of the neighboring towns to pick up a meal from, you know, curbside, whatever. But so far, she's been really good. She said she's self-quarantined for three weeks already, and she's counting down the days. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. I can't wait to go and hug her, though. That's I just can't wait to do that. Yeah, I think you speak for a lot of people that we're all missing hugs right now. Bro hugs, grandma hugs, friend friend hugs, training partner hugs, like the whole lot of them. Like we are all desperately (laughs) missing a lot of hugs. Definitely. All right, Case, we'll get on the phone, talk specifics after after this. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, make sure you stay safe out there, Casey. Appreciate it. Right, folks what'd you think appreciate everybody listening tuning in today during these crazy times i hope you got something from dylan courtney and casey on how they are treating their schedules right now i know it's probably not the first thing on people's mind but certainly as we are all trail and ultra runners here it is something on your mind in terms of how you're managing all of this uncertainty and i hope that these elite athletes can provide a little bit of insight to you on how you can handle it yourself, irrespective of what your situation is right now, whether you've got races taken off the table, whether you've got certain ones that are ambiguous right now, or they're far enough down the line where you can kind of see that there's a possibility that those races and events might actually happen. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, As always, you can help the podcast out a lot if you go and leave a rating or a review on iTunes. But you can actually help people out a whole lot more if you go and support those small businesses, uh, either that are in your area or some of the ones that I mentioned on the podcast. Appreciate the love. Appreciate spreading the love in this time of need for a lot of uh, a lot of people out there. And I know that everybody here knows somebody that has been affected by this, either from a health perspective or financial perspective, or sometimes both. So show them some love, people. We will see everybody out on the trails at some point. And until then, you all stay happy, healthy, and enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your loved ones. Peace out.